yeah, I could be an amazing drummer, but if I'm not helping facilitate the congregation in worship, even something as simple as clapping, that doesn't make or break worship, but it does create an energy. And if I can't create a good energy and a good connection with the congregation, then I'm not doing what I'm meant to do up there. Hello, John. Matthew. Jonathan. Once more, into the foxhole. Into the foxhole. Rehearsals and sound checks are funny places. Oh, yeah. I think about how drummers just will never stop playing. Like, you're just <laughs> trying to tune your guitar. And, you know, your, your acoustic guitar can't even tune because it's just being vibrated oh, so that's loud funny. by, like... Totally. The drummer just will not stop playing. Oh, my gosh. I actually haven't had an experience like that with a bad drummer for a long time. But it reminds me of those days. Just the volume... Oddly enough, I'm very sensitive to noise. I wonder if I have that like ear thing that makes you sensitive. I forget what it's called. It's like tinnitus or it's a certain kind of tinnitus that yeah. makes you sensitive to loud. Yeah. It's actually one of the things, side note, I'm most worried about, about having a, a baby. Yeah. is just the volume of the cry. Yeah. Because I've heard blood curdling screams on yep. planes and I've always just thought to myself, poor baby, but poor parent. That is yeah, so loud. Deal with that. It's so loud. And I feel like the worst person for even thinking about yeah, it, but it's like... That's funny you say that because I that was my biggest fear because I have the same thing. I'm very sensitive to loud sounds. Like when we're walking downtown and there's a siren. Exactly. Oh, I like, always have plug to cover my ears. My ears. Oh, yeah. yeah, same thing. And I thought that having a baby would like drive me crazy because of the screaming. Uh-huh. I don't know. All I can tell you is that, yes, it's loud, <laughs> very loud, but there's something different about it when it's your own. Yeah. And it doesn't bother me. You more of like want to like help. The loudness actually more of like is calling out like totally. I have to help this person. Oh, that's awesome. Which is a good feeling. So it you're draws. Out. I think it'll be fun. Definitely don't have that feeling when I'm on stage <laughs> and there's a loud. For me, the, the electric guitar sometimes is kind of wet. I mean about that frequency range. If it's too like Yeah. There is this one time though, and this oh my gosh, this isn't my story actually. So I want to thank you know who you are. But <laughs> um this one time a friend was telling me a story. He was leading worship and suddenly he's like, it was one of the first times they were playing with tracks and the chorus hits and suddenly this like offbeat shaker comes in during the chorus and he looks at Ableton. He's like, I, did I put shaker on this track? Like what the heck? Yeah. And starts like muting tracks and he's like, what in the world is going on? Because sh- every time the chorus would hit, uh-huh. the shaker that was slightly off rhythm would, would pop in and he's like, there are no tracks and he turns around and the bass player had brought an egg shaker with him and was playing Dude. bass with his left hand and like hammering on the notes and then bringing in the shaker on the chorus. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but dude. slightly off. So then he had to just be like, bro, thank you for being yeah. so go getter, but yeah. no shaker on the chorus, please. Yeah. And that's where the worship leader superpower has to come out of. Like, how do you say that without crushing them? Exactly. I think that's actually a common problem because just. A month ago, I was leading worship somewhere where the same thing happened. We hit like this part in the song and I heard a tambourine. And tambourines are never really in time perfectly. Yeah. yeah. And so I like turn around and the keyboard player had, had a tambourine. <laughs> yeah. And I had to like politely it's ask hard. Him to return it to the church closet. Oh my gosh. But that takes, yeah, that takes a certain kind of sensitivity. There are a lot of funny things that happen when leading worship mm-hmm. I feel like just dealing with with people and teams and like and you have to have a sense of humor about it oh absolutely um, I'm loving 
just like these conversations that we're having with worship leaders that are in the trenches mm -hmm. and just hearing their stories and what worship leading is looking like for them because mm -hmm. I think it also like starts to normalize it for mm -hmm. everyone else like it kind of it's like oh them too mm -hmm. you know like you feel less alone I think so got this interview with Scott we talk about a lot of different topics let's dive into it and then we'll talk about it after Scott, what's up? Welcome to the Luke Henry Podcast. Thank you very much. Good to have you here. So we go back a couple years. Yeah. You you run the Chicago Worship Leaders Collective, mm -hmm. and we're really just passionate about connecting worship leaders in our city. And you reached out to me when we were doing some event, I think, and that's how we met. Like yeah. it was just like a hey, we gotta we gotta connect. We gotta somehow get worship leaders together in Chicago. Yeah, I play at my my home church. I lead worship and I play drums and keyboards and a little bit of piano as a volunteer. But then. Part of my regular income is that I play at other churches and I get hired to play. Um, so okay, I'm kind playing of a, drums. Yeah, mostly drums. In worship drumming, you know, you, you kind of have to set aside like your personal tastes in totally. fills and, oh my and gosh, even yeah. certain rhythms. I'll never forget one uh, worship leader that I worked with when I was really young. I was doing all these offbeat things and he like stops it. And this is during rehearsal. He's he like, stops. that's not how the recording is. Well, not that, but he turns to me and he's like, you know, I want to engage the congregation to clap and they can't clap with me if you're playing all these offbeats. Can you just play on two and four? Yeah. And right. boy, that stuck with me for so long because I was like, man, he's got a point. Yeah, that's like, a great yeah, tip. Yeah, I could be an amazing drummer, but if I'm not helping facilitate the congregation in worship, even something as simple as clapping or mundane as clapping, you know, it's like that doesn't make or break worship, but right. it does create an energy. And if I can't create a good energy and a good connection with the congregation, then I'm not totally. doing what I'm meant to do up there. So I, I felt like that was like some amazing hard advice because he really kind of laid into me. He's like, yeah. don't do those things. I need people to clap. I need people to be it's engaged. great advice because I do think that we need to filter through any sort of decisions we're making about, you know, the set list we're putting together or the arrangements we're doing. Or So you are at your home church like half the time. Yes. Like two weekends a month, you're volunteering, leading worship. And then two weekends a month, you're maybe out traveling, playing at another church. Yeah. What is that experience like for you? I'm guessing... I mean, I don't know. Let me know. Like, is your family, they're continuing to go to the home church, even though you're not there, right? Yes, that's correct. It's unique. At first, I struggled with it. And this past month was really hard. The only time I was at my home church was on Good Friday. And so that was literally the only time I, I served at my church as a volunteer. And, and th that was tough because, yeah. you know, usually it's not that often that I'm gone. I, I make the decision. I mean, I, I could probably play every week at other churches, but, yeah. um, you know, I make the decision that I want to volunteer my time as well. So the, the experience is it's fun in the sense that I, I get to see and experience lots of different styles of worship and things that I take with me back to my home church. Also in my teaching which um, we can talk about later, but you know, I, I teach worship arts at a university, and so I feel like that experience has given me such a, a wide breadth of experience and things to set the stage for the students that I teach. Like, here's all these different types of you know scenarios in worship that you could encounter. Yeah, because um, I'm sure every church you're going to is a little bit different. They're a little different, yeah, for sure. So I feel like that's a huge help to me in what I do. And what's cool about, I guess, my family is that. When I'm gone, they actually are leading worship without me. Yeah. And so my my wife and... Okay, so they take the reins while you're yeah, gone. Yeah, yeah. So That's my cool. wife... Yeah, now, my church has only volunteers. Yeah. So we have a rotation. So there's like four different volunteers yeah. that lead worship. But when I'm gone, my wife and my three kids lead worship. Yeah, that's cool. I'm going to take us off track here again yeah. or off script. 
And let's just chew into this one a little bit. Okay. This whole idea of paid versus volunteer. Mm. Because, you know, you're you're going like a couple weekends a month for gigs yep. that are paying you. Mm-hmm. And it's helping, you know, supplement your income. And yep. it's a needed thing. It is. Um, and it's a helpful thing. It's a huge blessing, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. And then you're at your church where there's doesn't pay musicians, right? Like Correct. it's all volunteer. And that's probably a philosophy they have. It's, like is that they're just like, we don't pay musicians. We yeah, just, I think it's just a budget thing also. Yeah, it's right. a very small church. Um, you know, it's like over 50 years old. Right. And they just don't have the budget. So there's not even like a paid staff member who does the yeah. the music or worship at our church. What differences do you think you see in churches that pay versus volunteer? Hmm. Well, I would... You know, definitely at our church, we don't have a huge pool of musicians to choose from. Um, we have a lot of great servants who who play, but they're they're kind of on every week, just right. about. I mean, we we have one or two bassists at my yeah. home church, and they're so volunteering. They're all volunteering. Yeah, you know, I think you get you get different commitment levels. That's one thing. So, yeah. like, you know, if you're a volunteer, um, I'm not saying this happens in my church, but like in general, I think like a volunteer basis are more likely to like either you know not be able to come on a Wednesday night rehearsal right. or a Thursday night rehearsal or, or not make that commitment. And some people are like over the top. I mean, it depends on, you know, yeah. if they're volunteers, they, they might even give you so much more than what you yeah, right. anticipate. It's, it's really kind of, you know, an, an interesting dynamic. But at my home church, we've really only got a few musicians. So when you're a paid musician, you know, obviously there's the level of expectation, you know, I practice all the time. I mean, even if I know the songs, I make sure yeah, I right. listen to them. I make, make sure, sure that show I'm prepared. really prepared. Yeah, like I, I played at a church yesterday, but I wasn't able to make it to rehearsal because of another gig. I actually played for a nun, a singing nun. That was oh, kind of cool. fun. <laughs> but um, but it conflicted. But they, they were confident with me missing the rehearsal because I've proven that I, I come prepared. Got and, it, yeah. you know, as a worship leader who hires musicians... I believe that you you do have a specific level of expectation that you can, I don't want to say demand, but that you can require. Yeah, it's harder to require that of volunteers. It's extremely hard. Or barely maybe any time to even practice. That's the thing. Yeah, I mean, they all have other jobs. They have children. They have things that they're doing, and they're they're donating their time. And the last thing you want to be doing is harping on them about practicing. You know, all you can do is request it. And in love, just say it would be great for the team. It would be great yep. for the ministry if you could if you could at least yeah. listen to this one time. Yeah, right. You know, that kind of a thing. Well, I'm like you, and I also travel around to different churches in Chicago. And one of the benefits of that is that you do get to build like a community yeah. like of other churches and worship leaders and people who are doing the same thing as you're doing. And that's pretty cool. My question for you is why do you think community is important? For worship leaders or songwriters, I think it's just knowing that you're you have people that are going through the same thing as you are, and maybe just in different ways. But like you know, I think everybody kind of deals with some of the same issues, where you know, song selection and congregation members who don't like what you did and they send you an email. I mean, I, I can't think of any worship leader that has not dealt with that. I can't think of you know, any worship leader that hasn't dealt with like a musician not showing up or not being prepared and with the obvious burnout that worship leaders experience from being on every right. week. Right. Um, it's extremely difficult. And yeah. I think having a community of people that can kind of share that yeah. with you 
And what do you think that looks like? Does it mean like going to see the new Avengers movie together? <laughs> it could. I've, I haven't done that with any of worship leader is friends it, that I have. Is it a Facebook group? Is it? It's definitely a Facebook Because I do think that the word community can be a buzzword. Yeah. Where it's like, oh yeah, I'm in community. But like, what does that actually mean? Yeah, like, well. Are you really in community? You know what I mean? I, I think for me, it means doing many things together. I don't think it per se means going to a movie. Maybe it's just, you know, like having coffee with somebody. Like, you know, I had a coffee with a worship leader this morning and we just chatted. We chatted about like, yeah. you know, projects for the future, <laughs> dreams. And, you know, I think it's unrealistic to to just keep it all like, you know, wonderful you know he was sharing with me some difficulties that he's having in his ministry and i think having community is like you wouldn't necessarily gripe about things on a facebook group so i have a facebook group for my chicago worship collective but i wouldn't say hey that's a gripe fest but if i have coffee and i sit down with you and i say you know what are some things i can pray for you know whatever and and that opens up a, a dialogue about like something that you know that that specific person might be going through in their congregation. Right. Even if it's maybe an issue they're having with their pastor. You know, one one yeah. girl that last week we were at the songwriting retreat with uh, Jared Anderson. And, um, you know, there's a young lady there who was just really just, you know, talking about how she's, she's all they got. She plays acoustic guitar. She's got maybe one other instrumentalist, but she kind of feels like very isolated. Yeah. And that's something I'm passionate about is connecting people in worship so that they're not alone. Yeah. So, so that could be events. I mean, like just speaking from here, we've had songwriting events. We've had, you know, events where we bring people to to here to learn Ableton from a technical side. We've had events where we, you know, have had people who are experienced worship leaders who have come to, to just provide a little bit more instruction. I mean, not like you need to be told how to lead worship, but yeah. but maybe different aspects of worship. And I think just staying in communication. I, I yeah. don't think there always needs to be like... It doesn't need to be a, a big a deal. A bigger goal. I think yeah. maybe just, hey, how you been today? You I know? get the sense that isolation mm-hmm. and a lack of community is a fast track to burnout. Yeah. For worship leaders. Absolutely. Especially if they're, you know, the ones that are carrying the torch every single seven days. Mm-hmm. They've got to lead... And I'm sure there's worship leaders who are listening to this podcast who maybe just feel really alone. Yeah. And maybe they're feeling burnt out, just tired. Yeah. And I do think that just having another worship person that you can grab a coffee with or shoot a message to will help you feel that you're not the only one. Mm-hmm. All churches are different, but I think you'll find that some of the some of the root of like any frustration or any I don't want to say depression, but like, but you know, the burnout, you know, like there's a lot of connecting factors there that are church, church wide. Yeah. So I think as long as you have somebody and it doesn't even have to be a huge group of people, but even one or two small, you know, a small group of people. But I think, you know, it's hard as church staff. So I've also been on staff at a church. Currently I'm not, which is kind of nice actually. But as a church staff member, you know, I found that there's, you know, like you're on, you know, Tuesday through Sunday or whatever your day off is, you know, and then whatever day off I have is like, I want nothing to do with with worship or worship or those people. (laughs) So I've actually been trying to think of like, you know, what's that magic time that, you know, worship leaders could come together and and, how do you build it in and be spiritually fed, you know? Um, and I'm in a unique position where like, I don't work at a church. So like I could take a Wednesday afternoon and you could do it and have a worship time for worship leaders. But again, like is a worship leader going to be prone to like, yeah, I'm all over that to do it. Yeah. Yeah, Cause you know, that's during their work day typically. Sometimes they can't. Yeah. 
They yeah. can't even get away. Yeah, exactly. Maybe they're so, expected to be at the office. You know, you got to be here nine to five. And yeah, if it's something that's so important, if community is so important, why do we avoid it? Hmm. I think we just like most things. We find other reasons to not do it. You know, like why? Why didn't I write a song today? Because you know, well, yeah. And, and those reasons are valid. You know, it's like, oh my, my ceiling's leaking. <laughs> you know, I got to go take care of that. It's just there's a lot of. I think there's just a lot of reasons to not do it. Yeah, right. And I think it's just about making the commitment. I think it would be cool if it was in job descriptions for worship leaders awesome. to like, you need to, you know, once a week, just have a contact point with another worship leader. Yeah. It doesn't matter where they are, whether they're in like Phoenix, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or if they're like yeah. two blocks away from you, have some other contact point, have some sort of other community you're building yeah. with other worship people. Because I think it sharpens you as well. Like, hey, what songs are really hot at your church right yeah, now? Yeah, totally. You know, like... Well, I have a lot of churches, I think, have some budget to either send their worship staff or worship leader to a conference. But again, like you're you're talking with people who are from all different places. Whereas if, if you can find a community group that's like right in within your area, yeah. you know, to just meet with. And, you know, a, a mutual friend of ours just told me that he was able to, you know, negotiate, for lack of a better term, in his job description, time to actually write music. Yeah. for his church but he went to the you know church staff and he said you know this is something that i'm passionate about it sounds like it's something you're passionate about but it needs to be in my job description it needs to be something that like you know i can actually take a portion of my yeah. work time mm. to do that right and he was able to get them to agree to that because they saw that passion right as well and they want to foster that so I'm really passionate about watching movies and I really feel like you need to work in my job description like time to go to AMC to go to the Avengers do you want to go to the Avengers right now I know Matt? I actually we probably should just go to watch Let's the Avengers right now I haven't seen it yet I haven't either Maybe. so no spoilers but yeah I, I do think that would be good to implement somehow yeah songwriting too so on the songwriting track what's the most challenging thing you face as a songwriter I would say the most challenging thing is completion because I come up with some great ideas and then I hardly ever get back to them Yep, there are voice memos in your phone. Oh, yeah. It's a graveyard. It's loaded up. And then um, being real honest, I would say pride still. Even though I love collaborating, I feel like co-writing is one of the greatest things I've ever done on the planet. But just it's in my nature to, to hang on to my babies sometimes. And um, I'll come up with a, a really great idea, like a chorus. And I know deep down that, man, I need somebody to help me sharpen this up or to elaborate on the idea to really get it to where it needs to be at. But then there's still that like wall of like, eh, I could probably do it on my own. <laughs> and it's easy too. Cause it's like, it's, it's, on, my, it's on my own time. Yeah. It's you know? hard to arrange times to meet with people. It is. Yeah. And like, you know, this morning I was over at Moody, which is here in Chicago and I had coffee with a worship leader and then I had carved out some time to co-write and uh, my co-writer texted me and was like, Oh, my, my yeah. baby woke up at 5am and I, yeah, she's sick and I can't do it. So then I was left with about two hours to, to write, you know, with myself. And yeah. even though I enjoy doing so that. Go, goodbye co-write. Yeah. Yep. You know, so I was like, and, and even though I feel like it was productive, like I actually, I walked out of there going, God, thank you. You know, you yeah, gave me some right. 
you know, I had an idea the other day that I sang into a voice memo and I, I was able to like flush that out. Right. But then, but that's where the completion thing is. And it's like, okay, yeah, sure. I enjoyed that time by myself to worship and, and like get an idea out. And I appreciate God giving that to me. Yeah. But then like the completion part is huge. It's like, you know, I'll come up with that idea, but then life gets in the way. I get hired to go play at a church. I could do this and that. And then all of a sudden it's like yeah. three weeks and I haven't, Ever you know, done anything with again, it. Yeah. The difference with this one is uh, there's a goal. So like I'm leading worship at my home church in two weeks and I looked ahead at the sermon message, which I don't typically do, but I looked ahead and I was like, that looks like a good, you know, yeah. topic for writing a song because I don't feel like there's a lot of songs based on that topic. And so that's what I started writing is something for so you're my church. writing a song for that, yeah. For my church for two weeks from now. So I'll let you know how that So you goes. give yourself <laughs> a deadline. Give yourself I gave myself a, a direction and yeah. a deadline. Yeah. So whether I yeah. co-write it or not, which I would prefer to co-write it, yeah. I still am so, and sometimes that's hard to do. Completing it, but yeah. unless you're on staff at a church with a lot of other worship leaders, and you can, yeah, you, you can, know, you're all there, and you could write together. You know, I'm sure it's some larger churches. Yeah, right. You know, they they do they have retreats that they send their staff yeah, right. members on. I mean, honestly, let's face it. I don't think many churches have either the budget or the the visualization to do that. You know, like yeah. like if I were to go to my pastor and be like, "Can you?" authorize paying for me and like three other people to go on a retreat and write songs for our church You'd be like why like for what like i don't yeah right what do you mean they'll think oh, we won't get a good return on that investment because these songs yeah. maybe aren't going to be yeah and you know and my pastor is a or, super great guy and yeah. he's a visionary he's a musician but i think there's just there's very few churches out there at least yeah, in my opinion right. that would just be like yeah Sign off on yeah, that. It needs to be know? a top-down thing. There has to be vision at the top. There for does, it, for yeah. sure. And I think if you look, I mean, I haven't done a ton of research on this, but if you look at some of the worship music that's out there, a lot of it has been co-written with a pastor, yeah, and right. that pastor has already. They have know, their name on the song. Yeah, you know writer. that's what I mean. Like they've they've already had the vision or maybe had that desire, but they're a pastor. Like you know, I wonder if they let the worship leaders co-write their sermons. <laughs> Does it work both ways? Doubtful. I don't think so. Doubtful. I agree. I think that one of the challenging things is making time mm-hmm. to write. That's definitely one of the biggest challenges I face. Is yeah. like I love to write. I find a lot of joy after I write. Yep. It's then making like the discipline and the time to do it. Yeah. What do you do to make time to write? Um, well, it goes in seasons. So I teach at a university. So we just finished our semester. So I wouldn't say I wrote at all very much during the semester. I kind of tinkered around like a lot of voice memos, a lot of ideas, but I didn't do too much concrete writing. But what I do is uh, something called burst writing, which is basically like flushing out a lot of ideas without editing and without really not really having a song in mind. So like, let's say you read... Acts 2 and I, you know I read that and then I just take a piece of paper and I just write for 10 minutes straight like my thoughts on it and what I feel like God has given me based on that scripture so the whole process of burst writing it's kind of a common thing in, in some songwriting circles but you're basically like I think the big thing is the continuous flow of writing it's like you're not editing anything you're not trying to rhyme things you're just writing and then you know what I do is I go back and I circle either sentences or phrases or things that like pop out to me that I feel like would touch me because I'm, I'm sure if you've interviewed any songwriters or worship songwriters, they'd say like, if it doesn't touch you, you're going to have a hard time touching other people with your songs. So I circle things that like stand out to me and that might be the process of writing a song, but I try to do that every day. I'm not good at doing it every day, but I try to do it every day, but it basically just gets out 
a bunch of information, a bunch of ideas. Yeah. And then when I come to a time of writing, actual like sitting and writing songs, I've either got ideas, I've got hooks, I've got, you know, yeah, right. some catchphrases or titles, even a song title can like yeah, come in there. spark, you know, the writing of a song. That's kind of how I stay consistent. And yeah. I do make a lot of effort to, to schedule just write, to schedule. Yeah. yeah. And sometimes it doesn't work like this morning, you know, right. No fault to anyone. It just, that right. didn't work out. And honestly, it prolonged my conversation with the worship leader that I was yeah, with. Right. And that was an amazing conversation. And so God had a hand in that too. And so yeah. I think it's just being flexible, but also being kind of strict with yourself and saying, you know, like right. today's a Monday. So, you know, Monday's usually my, my day for writing. Yeah. No, that's good, man. Well, thanks for coming down to have this conversation and we're building community now. We are. Two worship guys in Chicago. Um, just before we go, is there anything that you would want to leave a worship leader? You know, if you uh, are sitting down a coffee with a worship leader, like, are there any uh, tips or kind mm. of parting wisdom that you'd want to give? Parting wisdom. I guess just to stay the course. You know, that's great advice that I've gotten over the years as a worship leader and, you know, something I tell my students where I teach at the university is that, you know, there's, there's going to be adversity everywhere. And sadly, most of that comes from your congregation. And so when that happens, you know, to just, just hang in there. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's easy to jump ship. It is. Yeah. It's easy to just be like, we're forget it. Why am I doing this? You know? And it's hard to like kind of accept the fact that, you know, Christians can be fallible in that sense of that. Like, don't they understand that I'm up there giving it my all? I'm literally giving my heart, pouring my heart out. And then I get an email saying, you know, I didn't like yeah. that tempo or I didn't like yeah, the, it's funny. the particular lyric. And then you think that going to another church is going to solve that, and it doesn't. It does not. Yeah. It's, you know, the grass is always greener yeah. on the other side. But, like, you realize that there's people at every church, and, yeah. like, churches aren't perfect. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think what's important is just being faithful where you're planted yeah. and water the grass that you're standing on. Scott... Thanks for your heart and just for uh, championing worship leaders and songwriters in the city and all over, actually. And um, it's just always good connecting with you. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me. I was watching a TV show last night with my wife called Parenthood. Have you heard of it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, she was actually telling us about it at Mott Street. Yeah. So we're on our second time around on this show. That's amazing. It is a great show. What's funny is that I would not recommend, like the first five episodes are pretty hard and bad. Okay. So I can see why people don't make it through. Hard and bad. Well. Like too sappy or. Yeah, just boring. Just bad TV. And yeah, just maybe not well written. Okay. So I can see why people abandon the show. Yeah. But it's it gets so good. Like okay. they really find like their stride. Yeah. Anyways, in season two at the end, there was a quote uh, where the grandfather is telling his granddaughter he's like listen and because she was just wanting to give up and scott was there just talking about like hey just don't just don't give up like stay the course and it made me think of this quote that i heard last night was he was saying like life is going to knock you down more than you can ever imagine Mm. so don't knock yourself down Mm. and don't knock other people down Mm. because you also don't know like like life's going to knock them down too Mm. Like, like we as people like shouldn't like knock ourselves down mm. so much. And we also should be really mindful of how we're treating other people mm. because life itself is hard. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be seasons where like people are just dealing with 
hard things, Mm -hmm. depression, anxiety, or like marital problems. And Mm -hmm. you just never know what people are going through. So like when you're like so frustrated at your senior pastor about something because of something that he said, or like, we don't know like what actually is going on in his life. Right. You know? And that's good. Same thing with everybody on your worship team. So I thought that was a good, I don't know, just a little idea for thought. Mm-hmm. And we even talked about this in the last episode of don't take yourself too seriously. Yeah. And in the same role of just like, just don't be so, don't be too hard on yourself. Yeah. And don't be hard on your volunteers. And that can be a hard thing. I know that's something that I personally have struggled with, especially early on in my worship leader mm. career was like, like rehearsals. Like I wanted everybody to play their part perfectly. Mm-hmm. I cared so much about it being like perfect and done right. Yeah. But I think in the middle of that, I was striving for excellence and I was taking it seriously. But the problem is that in the midst of that, I was hurting people. Mm. And looking back on it now, it's like, man, really? Yeah. Was it worth it? Like these are guys that are just like, they work like a nine to five job, you know, plays bass like in his office, like midweek, like just for fun, comes and wants to volunteer at church. And I'm like expecting him to like play like Hillsong. Right. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) To play, you know, perfectly. Totally. And it's just, gosh, taking themselves too seriously. And you can hurt people that way. That does bring up a good point, though. Like, how have you found our best practices to kind of increase the general level of excellence Mm -hmm. from your volunteers so that they kind of maybe expect that to come prepared means this? Right. Because sometimes different churches have different standards for what that is. Yeah. What have you found to be the most helpful in growing that standard of excellence? I think not procrastinating on my end. Yeah. So like where it does definitely go downhill is if I come up with the set the night before. Yes. And then I never send out any information. Definitely. <laughs> until the day before because no one. Right. And I'm expecting them to like, you know, make my procrastination their emergency. Like rehearse this Whoa. for tomorrow. You know, and that's actually my problem to deal with. Like I should have gotten heard songs. that. You need to tweet that. I'm pretty sure I heard that from like a third grade teacher. <laughs> Like your procrastination is not my emergency. That's genius. So I think obviously it would be, you know, get the songs to your team ahead of time with the resources that they need. So the chart in the right key, you know, don't expect them to figure out how to transpose it. Yeah. The recording, if you can get it, I think that is all important, but it really does come down to like vision. Yeah. But that's the hard part. That's almost like the Pandora's box Hmm. of how do you instill vision to your team of like, if we all come prepared, it actually makes the experience better for everyone. Right, right. Like the worship experience is going to be smoother. The rehearsal is going to be smoother. It's going to be less stressful. Yeah. You're going to have a good time. <laughs> everyone else will have a good time. Man, it probably depends know. on like factors too that are outside of your control. Like how big is the city that you live in? Hmm. Um, and if your pool of volunteers is so small and the people that you have are simply, they're as good as they're going to get. Yeah. That might just be the lot, the hand that you're dealt in this season. Yeah. If you're in a bigger city, there's more people who want to volunteer, maybe there's right. You know, maybe there's more uh access to resources like yep. guitar pedals. I know that a few years ago Harvest made a concerted effort to make a, a tutorial video for every one of their songs. For every part. Yeah, for every part. Drum, <laughs> bass, guitar, harmony, keys. 
And it was like 140 songs that was in regular rotation. They did it for like a whole summer and still use those videos. I see there's these videos that are like five years old. Josh Freddy just like on the drums, just being, and this is the beat for. Yep. Of course, that takes so much time and effort and energy, but it was super helpful. I noticed a difference. Yeah. You know, months later, I felt like I noticed a difference in the overall volunteer. Yeah, or hosting a training. Like, hey, this Friday night, we're going to do like a training just for keyboard players. Mm -hmm. And we're going to teach you how to use the Nord. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. how to actually find good sounds on the Nord. Yeah, yeah. And that way they're not just walking in and pressing all the buttons. Yeah. Yeah, I think it just takes intentionality of training. Yep. But then also having realistic expectations. Yeah. And certain instruments, I think, are um, you almost need... This is something I've been noticing. Certain instruments, there is a, a smaller margin of error available. If you have a drummer that is really, really, really rough, really yeah. bad, it it can derail a worship set quicker than a bad keys player. Yep. Keyboard player. Um I would even say quicker than even a bad acoustic guitar player. Yep. Because you can tuck that in a mix if you're using a full band. But if you have a really bad drummer, that can really, I mean, that's like, you know, you got one of the deacons threatening to kind of pull the plug on the sound system. Yeah, totally. You know, it's it's like. Yeah, that's true. When I think about my rehearsals, I think when I turn around to say something to the band, majority of the time, 90% of the time, I'm directing it towards the drummer. Totally. So maybe if you did want to level up for a season, maybe you think about, putting in a budget for paying a really great drummer. I yeah. I don't know. I have no idea. Maybe that would level everybody up for a bit and then you can... Yeah, or training for your drummer. Yeah. Anyway, I love what Scott has to say about kind of the spirit behind training people and the spirit behind also acknowledging that your church, sometimes that's just where God has you and maybe you just kind of have to work with what you have. Right. I think we all want to raise the bar and the quality excellence of our worship teams. You know, if something that you're doing isn't working, don't be afraid to try something new and see what sticks. I would say that I think the most important part is relationship. Because if you're going to try to train, do like a keyboard training or a drum training, they're much more likely to even show up to that training and listen to you if they have some sort of relationship. And Scott talks a bit about that. So thanks, Scott, for these thoughts. John, let's go get a pumpkin spice latte. Deal. Thanks for joining us on the Loop Community Podcast. Music from this episode is brought to you by John Guerra from his album, Little Songs. Make sure you check it out on Apple Music or Spotify. If you enjoy listening to this podcast, leave a review and a rating. It means a lot. We'll see you soon.